0: In. all right. So, how many of you guys like listening to a great testimony of somebody getting saved? Is that cool? Is that that's kind of a really encouraging thing to see where they came from? Uh, and so that's actually how we're going to start off our study tonight. Uh, we're going to take a look at some uh, testimonies of some people getting saved. Okay. Then we're also going to see some testimonies interspersed uh, with some uh, Christians who are getting uh, excited about sharing their faith. Okay. And here's what I want to do. I know it's getting kind of late. Uh, But I want you uh, to have a little test here. I want you guys to tell me. We're going to take a look at these things first. And you tell me what was the common denominator for each one of these testimonies. What instrument did God use to lead these people to Him in salvation? Or what instrument did God use to spur these Christians on in their faith? And even to the point where they would get bold? about it and tell other people. So let's take a look at some of those testimonies tonight. And this is the first one. Let's take a look at some conversions to Christ. And this is a testimony. a student, and he says this. He said, My brother helped lead me to the Lord and I was saved on February 3rd this year. How? By buying a series of videos on the issue of Creation versus evolution. That's right. He says, I can't quit watching them. I plan to copy them and hand them out to my friends and family and anyone else I can get to watch them. I've been searching and praying for the knowledge and tools to help me lead people to Jesus. And I think these videos are my answer. I just want to say thank you for speaking the truth and for providing these tools so that I can help give people the truth. Another gentleman says this again, another student. He said this, I'm a physics major at the University of Arkansas. And I first obtained a series of videotapes on what? Creation versus evolution through our local campus ministry. As a future member of the scientific community, did you know it's okay to be a Christian and a scientist at the same time? Now that's what the world will try to get us to think that somehow being a Christian you can't be a scientist. That's not true. So he's being trained to be a science and he says, Listen, I found it quite overwhelming to stand up for my faith in front of what kind of professors? Vehement professors. Folks, I'm telling you, this is why it's important for us, even as adults, to get equipped with this knowledge. Because whether you realize it or not, your kids in secular school, even high school, certainly when they get into college, are being attacked. As soon as they find out they're a Christian, they're going after them. And unless your kids are trained with the facts, not just the biblical facts, that's not bad, but if they're not trained with the facts, it could really throw them for a loop. We'll get to that in just a second. So he was excited because this gave him the ammo to stand up against... The vehement professors and students totally sold on evolution. But now I found that I can have knowledge to counter them. I've been challenged to learn as much about that as my other studies. And I've also seen my two dearest friends come to be bold about their faith as well. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Another gentleman said this. Again, a student. He says, until I went to college, my faith in God was what? Sound. But my college history class helped to destroy that faith. Okay, I started to doubt the Bible and God's Word. I even started to doubt that Jesus was truly God's Son and that He died and rose for my sins. But then my best friend showed me some information on what? Creationism, and I was in awe of what I saw. Everything was changed. What a relief when you finally get the information to counter the lies that are thrown at us, okay? And here's the stat, folks. Lest you think these are isolated cases, here it is. 75% of all children raised in Christian homes who attend public schools will reject the Christian faith by their first year of college. Uh, just last week, I uh, came across the stat. Uh, the latest, if it's correct, the latest stat that I've heard is that has now increased to 88%. 88% of, our, of kids raised in Christian homes by their first year of college, because of the vehement professors, and what they do, they will reject the Christian faith. Anybody have any kids in college? Any of them been raised in the church? What happens when they get to college? Mom, yeah, they said this, what? Oh, oh. Right? We need to get them equipped. We need to get them equipped now before they get there. Okay? This is what's going on across our country. Timothy Stout, he was the chairman of the board and chief scientist for a technology company when he began to struggle with many of the issues involving theism. Uh, versus atheism, evolution, creation. And what bothered him, in his research, as a what? A scientist, okay, was how only a very few basic laws of nature could affect so many things in everyday life. It began to show him that life appeared to be what? Design. A scientist admitted the facts are leading me in that direction. So, uh, and, and so after this testimony of God's handiwork, the evidence, Mr. Stout accepted Jesus as his Savior and now is the pastor of Gold Hill Bible Church near Placerville, California. Actually, right next to where my brother lives, we know actually his daughter. Okay, true story. But a scientist dealing with the facts said, wow, this has to be designed and God used that as a tool to lead him to Christ. Okay, uh, let's take a look at another one. A college professor, this guy named Joe Martin, Okay, he had been a Christian for several years, but he still believed in evolution. Did you know that happens? That Christians do, because you know why? Because they just haven't been really confronted with the facts. Okay, and so it was the same thing with this guy. But one day, two students challenged him to examine the validity of the evolutionary theory. You see, that's the issue. Okay, because what we have seen, and we've talked about before, it's not an open system, it's a closed system. Okay, and so these students challenged him, have you ever checked anything to the contrary? Have you checked the facts on this? Okay, because all you're getting is one side from the institution that's a closed loop. Okay, and so here's what happened when he did that. Uh, uh, The facts began to lead him into making a complete switch of views. It not only changed his life, but eventually led him into the ministry where he now provides others with rational answers against evolution. So when the facts are allowed to be known, it doesn't take long for people to come to the right conclusion. Amen. Okay? And let me give you another one here. This is a 50 year head. A 50 year head of the San Diego University Science Department who accepted Christ through the faithful sharing of the facts by his wife and family. Several months after his conversion, he got saved, dealing with the facts. This longtime PhD exclaimed, I love this quote, I can hardly believe I could be dumb for so long. (laughs) He said, man, I thought I knew something, you know, as a teacher for 50 years. Uh, before I was converted, but the greatest period of learning in my life has taken place in these last few months. Interesting. Okay, now folks, I know it's getting late, but I think you guys are smart enough to pull this out tonight. But what tool was it? What was the common denominator that God used these people uh, to Him in salvation or encouraged Him in their faith in Him? Can anybody guess what it was? I didn't even have to do that fake voice. Give yourselves a, a golf clap tonight. You guys are awesome. Uh, that's exactly what it was, okay? That's the common denominator. So what does that tell you and I? That this issue, creation versus evolution, creationism, okay, is very important for us to know. And it's not just important for us to know, it's a very powerful thing to know, okay? God uses that as a tool to witness to people with, okay? Now, the bad news is, is there's actually people out there, did you know, who were deliberately trying to keep this evidence from breaking out into the public? Okay, and I got some proof for you. Take a look at this uh, again. See, we are uh, uh, been trained by these entities to think that, oh, this is true science. We're dealing with all the facts and we're just driven in this direction based on the information and scientific data to believe in evolution. Okay, we've, just, we've listened to everything. That's not true. It's a closed system. In fact, it's so closed that if you believe anything to the contrary, you're going to be excommunicated from the system. Here's some actual testimonies. Let's take a look.
1: They use peer pressure or ridicule to silence those who oppose lies in the textbooks. Now, if you're going to do something, you be prepared for opposition from the enemy. Satan protects his evolution theory with a vengeance. This is the foundation for all sorts of things. Roger DeHart, science teacher at Burlington Edson High School in Seattle, was told he could not inform students of errors in the textbooks just simply by passing out current science journals. If there's a current science journal that said this is wrong, he couldn't tell his students because in the book it said it was right. Some of these lies have been proven wrong 100 years ago. Kevin Haley, biology teacher at Oregon Community College, lost his job simply for exposing errors in the textbooks. Baylor University, formerly Christian University, fired William Dembski just because he advocated intelligent design. He said there must be a designer. Forrest Mims was a science writer for 20 years. He published in National Geographic, Science Digest, American Journal of Physics, 60 magazines and newspapers. He was denied a job as science writer, or writer for Scientific American, simply because he was a creationist. Rod Levake in Fairbault, Minnesota, uh, was reassigned because he doubted Darwin's theory. They said, We don't want you teaching evolution. We don't want you teaching biology if you doubt Darwin's theory. Dan Clark in Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, he quit because he was reprimanded for teaching an evolution alternative. The superintendent, Mr. Ed Eller, told him not to introduce creationism to this class. Well, Mr. Ed Eller, you need to get a different job. We are grass-needs mode once in a while. Come on down. We might put you to work, if you're a hard worker. Okay? He said, I'm quitting. I'm not going to take this. There's all kinds of articles here. Dean Kenyon was a tenured professor in San Francisco at the university. He'd been teaching for years. He wrote books about evolution, how wonderful evolution was. He was the poster boy of the evolutionists. And then one day he got converted. And they fired him. But he said, hey, I got got 20 years, you can't fire me. Okay. They put him in as a lab assistant. You know, washing test tubes. Had to go through a whole big lawsuit just to get his job back. Simply because he doubted Darwin's theory.
0: Now stop and think about what the, the whole premise is going on here. It's not just if you disagree, you get fired. Okay, But notice what just some of these guys were doing. They just wanted to get the lies, the errors, out of the textbooks. And you get fired for that. So why in the world would you get fired for exposing errors in the textbooks? I thought we were supposed to give the kids a right, proper, good education I was, but, you know, to, to give them the truth, right? Okay. Well, as we saw before, because if you don't, uh, uh, if you take away all their lies that are in the textbooks, that's what's supporting their theory. And if you've got the textbooks of all the lies supporting their theory, they have nothing to support their theory. But I like what one guy had said. He says, listen, if all you've got lies is to support your theory, maybe it's time to get a new theory. Right? But that's the game, folks, uh, that's being played. Okay? Now, here's the point. I don't know about you, but according uh, to the evidence that we're seeing, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, the evolutionist folks are not just being biased, they're being belligerent. Okay, now here's what's really wild, and we've been here before. Uh, First of all, they would say that you and I are the ones who are unintelligent. You and I are the ones as a Christian who have the closed mind. Really? I don't think so. But secondly, folks, what is interesting is it's obvious that they are trying to hide, they're trying to suppress the information getting out there about the proof of God's existence. That's really what's going on here, okay? Now what's wild is that's exactly what God said they would do nearly 2,000 years years ago. Let's go back again to our classic text, Romans chapter 1, and let's take a look at that. Romans chapter 1, starting with verse 18. If you find the book of Romans, what do you do? Moo, okay. Yeah, you can move all you want. That's great. I like that answer. Uh, Romans chapter 1, uh, and then if you find it, you can do a moo or do a pre-moo and get everybody rolling with it. But uh, verse 18, and as you turn there, okay, we'll lay hands on you later. Okay, verse 18, and, uh, uh, but uh, let's take a look there. And the passage there, uh, in my head, he is God's, not love towards mankind, it says God's wrath uh, towards mankind. How many guys would say that's a clue that uh, there's some bad behavior here and you don't want to do it? Okay, usually wrath gives it away, okay? Verse 18, let's take a look at the context here. It says, this: the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godlessness uh, and, uh, and wickedness of men who what? What's the key word there? suppress the truth. What did we just see on the videos? They're suppressing the truth. Okay, Does that please God? Why? Because you know what? God has given, he's gone overboard and given us tons of evidence for his existence. He wants people to know his existence and these people have the audacity to suppress that from the world. He's not pleased with that. Okay, they're suppressing the truth about his existence, okay, uh, uh, by their wickedness. Now, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God's made it plain to them. For since uh, the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Okay, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became what? What's the word there? Futile. You know, they've got the big degrees. they got the big uh, cool-looking hairdos. Uh, they got all the diplomas. Uh, they're the ones who are sitting in the class of the university. But what does God say? Excuse me? Your what? Thinking is futile. You actually think you're going to, with your little teeny tiny little brain, going to say uh, and, that you have evidence that I don't exist? What? I don't think so. That's futile. In fact, he takes it a step further. He says, and they're what kind of hearts? Foolish hearts. We're the fools. We're the ones who were closed-minded. Uh-uh. You're turning away from the evidence. You're the one that has the foolish heart. Uh, they were darkened. Okay, although they claimed to be wise, right? Oh, we smart. You dumb dumb, right? Isn't that, the, again, the premise, right? They claimed to be wise. They became what? fools. Why? Because they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles uh, the text says. Okay? But here's what's interesting, folks, is the Bible, and we've talked about this passage several times before, but we see that the Bible actually predicted, listen, the evolutionist behavior that we see today in our lifetime. Do you realize that? This was written nearly 2,000 years ago. We are seeing this come to pass today. Now, I not only find that interesting but what I find frightening Okay, is the Bible is very clear about what happens when people do this. It's not just happening today, but the point is this, uh, those who are doing that today, what are they actually doing? They are incurring the love of God. They are washed in his mercies and blessings, and he is so pleased with them. No, what? They're storing up his wrath. Okay, and again, I know it's getting late, but uh, how many guys would say that that's probably not a good thing to do? I mean, if you're going to pick a hobby to do on a Saturday afternoon, do crochet, uh, learn to get on that skateboard, or, you know, you know, do something, but don't store up God's wrath, okay? And, and yet, that's what's going on. So, I would say that as Christians, uh, our heart goes out to these folks, okay? At least give them a fighting chance. Let's, let's try to help them. And so, let's try to help them from stop storing up God's wrath, and instead receive His loving grace and mercy and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. How about you? Okay, turn to somebody and say, it's time to beef up our witness, All right? And don't you love that term? beef up is it just me Jeanette or see that doesn't work with chicken does it you don't say hey Orson it's time to chicken up our witness no it doesn't work that way it's just born for that phrase it's time to beef up our witness okay and that's what we're gonna do in our journey okay we're gonna take a look at a a multitude of evidences we're gonna start with one Uh, an intelligent creation. And uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to beef up our witness, okay? And we're going to take a look at the hardcore scientific data showing us what God's already told us. He really does exist. There's tons of proof, okay? But this is the only place we're going to get it from, folks. Because you're not going to get this information on the TV. You're not going to get in the educational system because we saw they suppress it. Okay, they are suppressing it. And just as a side note before we get started with that, okay, uh, it just so happens just yesterday, you talk about perfect timing, yesterday a huge massive uh, debate uh, took place with uh, Ken Ham, the Christian creationist, and Bill Nye. Okay, and I haven't had a chance to see it, and, but uh, came across an article uh, from a secular point of view and uh, uh, did you realize that uh, they are actually uh, bothered by that debate? Not the fact of whatever was said on the debate, but the fact that Bill Nye would even agree to a debate. Now, keep in mind well, our opening text. Okay, our opening text said that these guys, in their wickedness, what do they do with the truth? They suppress it. Listen to these comments. Okay, Bill Nye debate of creationist Kinham has some scientists bothered. Listen, uh, Dr. Jerry Coyne, he called the debate pointless and counterproductive. Why? How could that be pointless, and how could that be that counterproductive? Okay, but he goes on. He says, if Nye wants to uh, to further acceptance of evolution, he should just continue to write and talk about the issue on his own, and not debate creationists. By so doing, he gives them credibility simply by appearing beside them on the platform. Can I translate that for you? Romans chapter 1. Excuse me. How could you even give that guy airtime? We've worked so hard to suppress this. What are you doing agreeing to this? Because that was a huge, exposed, televised debate. And he's mad, not because of the evidence, the fact that the guy agreed to it. What are you doing? You're letting the cat out of the bag. Here's another quote. Okay, uh, Richard Dawkins, you guys heard him. He's one of the world-renowned evolutionists, biologists. Uh, he said he's made it his policy to reject imitations To debate creationists, okay? He says, because inevitably, when you turn down the imitation, you will be accused of cowardice or the inability to defend your own beliefs. Yeah? Okay, but listen to what he says. But that is better, he says, better to be called a coward, okay, than supplying the creationists with what they crave. Quote, the oxygen of respectability in the world of real science. What did they say in Romans chapter 1? These guys and their wickedness, what do they do? It's an open debate. Sure, we'll deal with all the facts. And they actually just last night got mad at one of their own guys. Because he opened the doors to let the information get out. That's how vehement, like he said, Satan protects it. Uh, with ferocity. Okay, So let's take a look at that evidence. And the first evidence we're going to deal with is the evidence of an intelligent creation. Okay, We're going to expose the facts here. We're going to get equipped. We're going to expose it. Okay? And what we're going to do is take a look at not only just the scriptural evidence, we're going to take a look at the, of course, scientific evidence, showing us that we not only had to, but we were intelligently designed by an intelligent creator. Guess what? For an intelligent purpose. Okay? And the reason why is because, again, that's pure common sense logic. And I think that's what God's appealing. That's why he says, nobody's without excuse. You're not going to get before me and say, you didn't have enough evidence. Okay? Because the brain that I gave you has common sense and common sense logic. And common sense logic tells you that when you see design in something, that implies a designer. Okay, And if it's somebody that's obviously outside man's abilities, then it's somebody who's bigger than man. I.e. God. And once again, by way of analogy, I'll share it one more time so you get the whole concept of why it's important to understand intelligent design. Once again, it's the watch analogy. If I showed up here tonight, once again, and I said this watch with about 12 moving parts, I am firmly convinced uh, that I picked it up over here in that ditch over there across the street. And I uh, did not buy it. I didn't need to buy it because as uh, uh, evolution would have it. It is spontaneously combusted over there over millions and billions of years uh, with the wind, the rain, the rocks, the erosion. A lightning bolt hit it, bang! Out came this watch with 12 moving parts. I saved 10 bucks, didn't even need to go to Walmart. And if I really believed that, what would you say? You'd say that the cheese has slid off my cracker, right? Or some nifty little phrase like that, okay? And uh, so, if you guys would say the cheese slid off my cracker, if I believe that a watch with 12 moving parts uh, evolved by chance, okay, then why is it acceptable uh, for evolutionists to say that our whole world, the whole universe, everything in existence, everything showing intelligent design, uh, did happen by chance? Okay, whose cheese is sliding off whose cracker? All right, You back up the Kraft Macaroni in Truck and doo <laughs> You're gonna get serious. Uh, offloading going on. Okay, why? Because a watch cannot design itself. If you see design in something, it implies a designer, okay? And again, this evidence, as we saw in the beginning, is so important. And I think this is why God peppers that uh, 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 beginning of Romans 1 with the phrase, the wrath of God is being revealed. Because he's given t- we saw in the beginning, that the, the, for some reason, the, uh, dealing with even the scientific information, the logical information, that there is a God, which is good news. Okay, but that, a, 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 that God used that as a tool to save people. Did you know tons of people get saved when you present the evidence for creation? It's a fantastic tool. And yet these guys are suppressing that. No wonder God's a little upset. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to explode that. And the first evidence that we're going to see is again, we're going to start at the top, gonna, at the end of the spectrum, the telescope, eventually get down to the microscope we're going to start off with the universe okay and let's take a look at some of the handiwork of God and you tell me if it was uh, ever uh, possible for us to get here by chance it's impossible okay so let's take a look at some of that evidence tonight the nuclear force it just so happens that the universe contains a force that keeps the protons in the nucleus of each atom together hence nuclear force okay here's the only problem uh, with that, if there was just a slight increase in the strength of the nuclear force, then the universe would consist of mainly heavy metals, not music, it's a science thing, uh, which would keep life from existing anywhere at all. Alright, flip it around. If there was a slight decrease in the nuclear force, then the only element in the universe would be hydrogen, which produces the same result you couldn't have life. It has to be exactly what it is in order for life to exist. How about the electromagnetic coupling constant? Again, how many of you guys got up this morning? I mean, you just, you didn't make it out of bed. You sat there, your eyes popped wide open. You go, whoa, this is the day I've got to discover what the electromagnetic coupling constant is. (laughs) Turn to somebody and say, this is the day. You're going to find out exactly what this giant term is. It's hard to even say. Okay, this is the force which causes like charges to repel and opposite charges to attract. Kind of like getting married, right? So if you're having trouble in your marriage, blame it on this guy and then get the marriage study we just finished up. But uh, that's what that is. Okay, Now here's the point. If this constant were just slightly stronger, it would keep the molecules from existing, and you could have no life. But if it was slightly smaller, then the electrons would leave the nucleus, and again, you couldn't have life. Now again, as we saw before in our other study, remember the rock analogy? Okay, Folks, all it takes is just one of these to blow evolution theory out of the water. And, but this is all these, and we're just getting started. Okay, how about the expansion rate of the universe? The universe is expanding away from point of origin approximately 2 million miles an hour. Isn't that wild? How many guys would like to have a car that went 2 million miles an hour? You couldn't afford it. You couldn't keep tires on it, is what I was thinking, logically. You get about 5 feet. Okay, new set of tires. New set of tires. All right, anyway, let's keep going. Okay, besides, that's right, uh, a serious speeding ticket. Here's the problem. Uh, physicists have found that if this rate, just even the rate the universe is expanding, if it were just a few percent slower, then all the matter in the universe would collapse into a ball. Okay? And how many guys would say that the potluck we have planned, Lord willing, in March may not ever occur? <laughs> okay, that, would, that would kind of put a damper on that event. But if the rate were slightly faster, then the galaxies and the stars could never have formed either way no life. So it's not just the substance of the universe, it's the rate of which even the universe is expanding, and it is. But it has to be exactly what it is, or you couldn't have life. This is the very expansion rate. How about the mass of the universe? That's the stuff. This is wild. As it turns out, all the matter in the universe is fixed within a very narrow range. Okay? According to astrophysicists, a few percent uh, increase in the matter in the universe, and it would have resulted in the stars being too big and too hot. But a few percent decrease in the total mass of the universe, and the results have been the stars were too small, no heavy elements to support life, and again, the final result, you could not have life in the universe. So it wasn't just some random event that just somehow blew up what blew up had to be the exact amount that we have or you couldn't have life. That's by chance? I don't think so. Okay, it has to be what it is. Okay, how about the distance between the stars? This is neat. Uh, Astrophysicists have discovered that the distance between the stars is absolutely critical uh, for life to exist. For instance, if the distance between the stars was just a few percent closer, this would destabilize the planetary orbits around the sun and kill all chances for supporting life. But if the distance between the stars was too far, then the planets could never form again. You could have no life. Based on the scientific information from the astrophysicists, based on what we see, uh, the conclusion is, scientifically, it's almost if somebody went like... and put the stars exactly where they need to be. I thought it was a random event. Very interesting. That's just dealing with the facts. All right. How about the number of protons and electrons? Okay. It's been discovered that the ratio to the number of protons uh, to the number of electrons is absolutely delicate for life to exist. Okay. If the ratio were just a little bit larger, then that would have prevented the galaxies and stars and planets from ever forming. But if it were slightly smaller, then likewise it would have prevented the galaxies and stars and planets from ever forming. It has to be exactly what it is uh, to exist. And that's just the ratio between the two. How do you pick that out? This is a random event. How did it come out exactly perfect? Okay, it's crazy. Uh, The force of gravity. If gravity were any stronger, then the smallest stars would not have formed. If it were any weaker, then the bigger stars would not have formed. Okay, so even gravity itself has to be what it is. In fact, it's extremely precise. Check this out. Okay, Uh, all masses are found to attract one another with this force, gravity. And it just so happens to be the square distance between the masses. Okay, for those who hooked on math, let's break it down. The question is, where did the square, or the two, if you will, come from? And why is it exactly square? If everything is random, and this is just some random chaotic uh, chance event, why is it not uh, keyed gravity to a, a random number? 1.87, 1.95, 2.001, 3.378, those are the numbers I picked. Pick a random number. But why is it exactly uh, keyed precisely to two? How did it arrive at that? Well, get this, folks, as it turns out, okay, it just so happens that any other value than exactly two would lead to an eventual decay of the orbits and the entire universe would destroy itself. And how many guys would say that that would also ruin the real estate industry? <laughs> right? It has to be exactly that, or you can't. Now, again, I'll say this again. It's not just one of these. Look at all these we're rolling with, and we still got a ton of ways to go, and all it takes is just one of these. Okay? Is anybody starting to get an idea of why these guys are suppressing this? Why, why isn't this taught in school? I, what are we, we're just talking about science. Have I quoted a verse yet? This is science. Okay? And is that bad? They're suppressing this from people, okay? The mass of the proton, at the ratio of the mass of the proton, or to neutron, were to vary just a little, not just the electron, just the neutron, uh, higher or lower, utter chaos would result and the entire universe would be destabilized. Okay? It's like something's holding it all together. Yeah, we saw the Colossians 1. That was last week. The atoms would fly apart or crush together. Everything they're in, which is everything, would be utterly destroyed. Without the delicate balance of the proton, the universe would completely collapse. In fact, some theologians feel this is exactly what God's going to do when he destroys the old heavens and the old earth and replaces it with the new. And that's the passage we saw last week in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 12. Okay, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will vanish with a thunderish crash. A big bang. A big bang is coming. You don't want to be around for that one, okay? Uh, the Bible talks about And the material elements of the universe will be dissolved, literally disintegrate with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. It's a huge, massive, the biggest ever ever will be atomic explosion throughout the whole universe. And the galaxies will burn up, and the elements melt down that day. Well, how's that going to happen? Well, as we saw last week, the verb that's used there in that passage is luo, which means loosed. And scientists can describe the proton, the electron, the neutron. They understand that it's a delicate balance there. They know that it's all there where it needs to be. And it's all stuck together. They can't, for the life of them, figure out what keeps these things from flying apart. They know if it flies apart, it's going to create a bomb. Okay, but what keeps them all together? It's God, the Bible says, Colossians chapter 1. And one day he's going to say, Lu'o, boom. And everything's going up. That's what the Bible says is coming. The first judgment on the world was by water. The second one is by fire. Okay, and that's what he's talking about there. And that's good science. And we'll close with this one tonight uh, with the uh, uh, universe aspect, the city in the sky. Now talk about a cover-up. This is wild. Did you know there is a city in the sky complete with streets and avenues to travel from one galaxy to another? How many guys heard that? Yeah, they're not going to tell you this. Okay, believe it or not, it's been discovered that the entire universe is laid out in a definite pattern to help you find your way around as you go from place to place, uh, if you could. Which kind of, I got to thinking about this is, you know, you look at a lot of ancient cultures and they were fascinated with the night sky, okay? And they realized that some, this didn't happen by chance, okay? And they thought it was gods. They went, they took the right information. This didn't happen by chance. And they went in the wrong conclusion. Gods and began to worship. But even back then, you see that many cultures around the planet historically have always been fascinated with the order that we see. But we're told today it's completely chaotic. That's not what's going on. For centuries we knew about the houses or the stars. Then we learned about the city blocks or the galaxies. Uh, But not until the middle of our century did we begin to realize that they're all strung out along networks of streets and boulevards just like a city right above our heads. Interesting. Let's take a look at that. First, there were the houses or the stars. The total number of stars in the known universe is estimated to be 10 billion trillion. I think one guy said that there's enough stars just in the Milky Way galaxy for each person on the planet to own 2 trillion of them. Something to that effect, or in the universe. Wouldn't that be cool? Okay, and people today pay 75 bucks to get a star named after them. Are you kidding? There's plenty to go around. They actually sell that. Whoever thought that up was a, wow, what a guy. 10 billion trillion. Okay, now, uh, Ruth, this is wild. Okay, that's just what we know about. Did you know we don't know about the ones we don't know about? That's a deep thought, isn't it? Let's continue on. Uh, the fact is our galaxy uh, is uh, over 200 trillion stars, and that's a lot of houses, if you look at the analogy. Okay, so there's your houses. But we discover the city blocks or the galaxies. Okay? As it turns out, there's not only tons of stars in their skies, there's tons of stars all grouped together uh, in the sky into organized patterns. What's the key word there? Two words? Organized pattern. Okay, it's not a random event in the sky. Each one of them circle a central ball of stars, a galaxy, like a city block of houses. Well, that's interesting. Let's go on. Then we discovered the streets, or the cluster of galaxies. And before this, it had been decided that, according to supposed mathematical probabilities, uh, that the galaxies could only be distributed randomly throughout the entire universe. And they began to look at it, no, there's nothing random about it at all. All, The more it was studied, it was more to be less and less random uh, than they had thought. Now, just to give you a little teaser here, folks, what you are looking at is an actual picture from the Hubble Space Telescope. And what you're looking at is each one of those is a galaxy. Not a star. A galaxy. And God flew it all into existence. He's above and beyond that. He's the one who keeps it all from flying apart. He came to this little bitty, teeny, tiny little planet. Died on the cross for us. And He's that huge, and yet He's that intimate with us and as I said before, and our problems are too big for him. Puts it into perspective, doesn't it? It's awesome. That's just one photo. Those are all galaxies. Now, here's what's interesting. In 1956, okay, who's hooked on math? How many years ago was that? Okay, that, that's, that's a good start, but that, we need a little bit more specifics there. Yeah, hey, you mumble, you get the right answer. 58 years? All right, 58 years, 68 years. 68 years ago, they knew... 58. All right. Tonight's study is on church division and how easy they start. One story was a church picked a carpet. The other one couldn't decide on math problems. No, but here's what's going on. They knew this a while back. <laughs> a long while back. All right. What I'm about to share with you, this is how long they've known this. It's been suppressed from us. Amongst a multitude of ev- evidence. George Abel, he found in an area Appearing in the sky, no larger than just the bowl of the Big Dipper. He found, folks, 50,000 galaxies. 50,000 galaxies appearing in an area of the sky, no larger than the bowl of the Big Dipper. Not stars, galaxies. And he realized this this is not random. It's impossible. This is crazy. Now, uh, scientists were slow to accept Abel's findings because it totally disproved their theories about the origin of the universe. But if it's true science, what do you got to do? Hey, got to be honest, got to deal with the facts. It's time to change your theory, right? Mm -mm, They didn't want to do that. So working out though, he began to continue forth. He began to work out with this vast amount of data. Uh, Scientists began to carefully out and map out all the galaxies within a billion light years from our world. My theory was it was a government job, but we won't go there. But there's good government folks, you know, but anyway, I digress. So there's a billion light years, okay, from our world, and they divide it into a million squares, each one shaded according to the number of galaxies it contained. So when they mapped it out, all of a sudden something appeared. Watch this. Suddenly the map began to show that the galaxies were in clusters, somewhat, here's their words, delicate embroidery, all carefully stitched together. Now, because we all know, that if you ever want to make your own sweater out of yarn, what you do is you just get uh, three or four different colors, you lay it on your couch, come back at least a good million years later, poof, there's a sweater. Right? Wouldn't it be cool if it worked that way? Well, you'd be dead, by the way, like, a million years. Okay. But anyway, you couldn't enjoy the sweater. Uh, but no, no, somebody had to delicately stitch that thing. That's what's going on above our heads. Okay, carefully all stitched together. And by looking at the map, they began to see a pattern of celestial streets and lanes running all through the sky, leading from one galaxy to another, each containing over 100 million stars. It's all designed up there to travel. Very interesting, okay? One, this could never happen by chance. And two, why hasn't this ever made the news? It's almost like somebody's trying to suppress this. Okay? And that's just one aspect, folks, of what we're going to see. Uh, the facts remain that discovery after discovery revealed the universe is not arranged according to random mathematical probabilities. It's almost as if it was carefully pre planned and designed. I wonder who that was. You may take a guess? Okay, good. I'm glad you didn't say Captain Crunch. I'd have to lay hands on you. No, it's God. Okay? Uh, it's not even Mr. Green Jeans either. It's God. Okay? And, uh, but anyway, so, but I digress. But how many guys would say that it's pretty clear when you take a look at what, what, what? Scientific facts. Again, that's so just what we're dealing with. Scientific facts. It's pretty obvious that uh, we were intelligently designed by an intelligent creator. Okay, the facts are all over there. Okay, in fact, I would say I would go out on a limb that I would say that if somebody, even after dealing with this evidence, still want, wanted to refuse to believe in intelligent design and an intelligent cl- uh, creator, uh, maybe they're acting like they're a few peas short of a casserole. Right, is what they're really telling you. Okay, if they look at the evidence and still walk away. Okay, And apparently, believe it or not, folks, that's what one uh, Nobel Prize winner for physics, a scientist, had to say. His name is Charles Towns. Listen to what he said after dealing with the facts. He said, the more we know about the cosmos, the universe, he says, the more they seem inexplicable without some aspect of intelligent design. Right? Dealing with the facts. He says, and for me, that inspires faith. So what did that scientist, what did that physics, what did he say in essence? He is saying, if you think the universe and all of its structure was created by chance, after looking at the facts, you still say it wasn't, you're acting like you're a few peas short of a casserole cheese slid off the cracker, right? Why? Because any intelligent person knows common sense logic. In design in something implies a designer, okay? And again, how many guys would say that's God? Okay? But that's not all. The second evidence we're going to take a look at uh, of our intelligent world being designed by an intelligent creator is the evidence from the solar system. Okay? And we're going to pick this up, Lord willing, next week because we had a lot of our. Tonight was just an intro. And we're going to take a look at the evidence for the solar system and then we're going to move into the human body. Okay? Uh, with that, Lord willing, next week. And we're going to continue on to expose that which is being suppressed uh, from our world. And again, I just encourage you guys don't just sit on this uh, knowledge. Okay, it's encouraging, right? It encourages our faith, right? And we have ammo to be able to defend our faith, okay? But that's just it. Use it to defend our faith. Let other people know uh, because we are the only ones they're going to get this information from. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, Let's take a a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, The Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, There's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, Here, I'm granting you a pardon if you would just receive it. You can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in His work on the cross, to pardon us, from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, Our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada,